Morning, everybody. How are you all? Nice to see you. Really is nice to see you. Uh, Hyde's stayed in Peter Maritzburg this weekend. She, she won't stay again, I don't think, but our children arrived from England on Thursday night, and they're only out for one week. So we only have our grandkids for a week, and so she stayed to look after, well, not to look after them. Enjoy them, yeah. So we're going to carry on with our series, The Sons of Jacob, and uh, we're going to be looking at Joseph this morning, but let's pray first. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here in this place through our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that you are utterly and completely familiar with where every single person is this morning in every part of their lives. And I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, that by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would speak and touch exactly where you want to. I thank you, Father, that you're able to take the generic words of a preach and apply them specifically. I ask, Father, that every heart and every soul and every mind would be undone by you this morning. I pray, Father, that as your word says, that deep would call to deep. And whatever it is, Father, that you are wanting to say and do, it would be said and done. Pray, Father, that the things that you are saying would be confirmed. And Lord, I just ask for myself, please, for the grace and the anointing to bring your word. And I ask, Father, for your forgiveness where I failed you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, friends, you know that we are looking at the sons of Jacob and we know that it is the nature of God. I just want to give you a bit of a background to the series. It's the nature of God to bless. The first thing that God did after he made mankind, before he even spoke to them, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, and God blessed them. When he called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, Abraham, leave your country, your family, and your father's household. Go to the land to which I will show you. I will bless you. I'll bless your offspring, and they will be a blessing. It is the nature of God to bless, and he blesses through his family. And that principle of God, that practice of God, friends, has not changed. And so as we look at the 12 boys of Jacob, they are the sons through whom the blessing came to the planet. And... You know that names in the Bible are significant? So what we're doing at the moment is we're looking at these 12 boys. And you need to find out a rhythm to help you remember them. I have to mix up the order because if I keep them in order, I can't. But it's Simeon, Reuben, Levi, Judah. Dan, Naphtali, Ash, Asher, Issachar. Zebulun, Gad, 
Joseph Benjamin. That's not the order. That's the, only, that's the order in my brain. But it's through these very ordinary, and some of them not such good characters, friends, that God brought blessing into the world. And so the first week we looked at Reuben and Benjamin, and both of their names refer to sonship. And if we are going to be a people through whom God blesses the world and through whom God blesses community, the first thing we have to reckon with is our sonship. The second week, Terry preached on Levi, and the word Levi literally means to attach. And what Levi did was he had a mother and father who didn't love each other. And his role was to attach a bride to a groom. And God is still using his people to attach the bride, which is the church, to the groom, which is Jesus. Last week, we looked at Judah, and the name Judah means praise. And if we're going to, people, if we're going to be a people through whom God blesses the world, we're going to be a people of praise in a world that complains. Okay? Today, we're looking at Joseph. And what we learn from this name, Joseph, which simply means to increase. It means to add. That's what the name Joseph means. It means to increase. So let's look at Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph. May the Lord add. Or may the Lord increase. Give me the son Joseph. May the Lord add. May the Lord increase. Go to Exodus chapter 1 verse 5. The descendants of Joseph numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful they multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Friends, what does a famine do to a population? It's not very higher grade. What does a famine do to a population? Increase or decrease? A famine decreases the population. God sends this boy, whose name is Joseph, into a foreign country to prepare a people for increase when the season is one of decrease. Say that again. God raises up a, a boy whose name means increase, and he sends him into a foreign country to prepare increase for a season that wants to decrease. And there are many, many ways, friends, in which 2024 and the world that we are living is wanting to decrease so many aspects of God. And God uses you and I to bring increase when, honestly, friends, there's a worldwide famine. There's a worldwide famine of righteousness. There's a worldwide famine of godliness. There's a worldwide famine of morality. 
And God is raising up a people who will bring the increase of righteousness and godliness and gospel and salvation and love and life when there's a famine in the world. And friends, most of us like the idea of increase, but we struggle with the reality of increase. I mean, everybody wants to grow. But when things do begin to grow and when things do begin to increase, we struggle. I want us to, friends, we've got to get God's heart on increase because it's in the heart of God to increase things. Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase. Increase. Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. It is the nature of God, it is in the heart of God, that his government is always increasing, never goes backwards. Do you know that the government of God never decreases? It's an increasing government. In John chapter 3, when the disciples of John the Baptist came to him and said, you know that, that you had lots of followers, but now they're leaving you and they're following Jesus, what was John's word? He must increase. He must increase. And everything else must decrease. I'm sitting here this morning in the worship and just contemplating so many things, but my overwhelming thought is this, is Lord Jesus, the church belongs to you as a bride belongs to the bridegroom, and you must increase. Friends, I've done hundreds of weddings. I mean, literally hundreds. I've watched hundreds of brides walk down the aisle, but no bride has ever looked at me. Not meant to. Not meant to. I've looked at, honestly, friends, hundreds of brides walk down the aisle. Truth is, only actually one has looked at me. It was my wife. I love watching the look in a bride as she comes down the aisle. I've, I've done, Hads and I have done the premarital counseling. Hads and I have prepped for this moment. They're not looking at me. Why? You don't feature. Who's important? The groom. He must increase. And everything else, even mom and dad who are paying the bills, must decrease. That's why you don't wear white at a wedding. You don't mess with that. Friends, there's this, it, it, it is in the heart of God to increase. I was looking at the Old Testament blessings in Deuteronomy. And the Bible tells us that the blessings of the New Covenant are better than the blessings of the Old Covenant. All those Old Testament blessings speak of increase. Friends, there's another thing that increases as God brings blessings, and that's His church. Just settle this truth, dear friends, that if God's in it, it is going to grow. It is going to increase. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures, okay? From Acts, a whole bunch of verses that talk about God increasing His people, God increasing the local church. 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added that day. Chapter 4, verse 4, But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Chapter 5, verse 3, No one dared join them, though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Chapter 11, verse 12. The Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 24. Stephen was a... a not Stephen. Philip was a good man full of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. So the church was strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Friends, God is the God of increase. He increases. His glory increases. His government increases. Our relationship with Him increases and grows. But His church, friends, is an increasing church. Can you get that in your heart? God wants his church to grow. God wants his church to grow. Let me ask you this question, friends. What's the purpose of growth? Why would God want the church to be bigger? I've been in church a long time. And if we were to able to look, if we were able to look at leaders' hearts as to why they want the church to grow, none of us would be pure all the time. But let's just be pure for a moment. The, church, the purpose of church increasing is not so that church is big. That's not why Jesus is increasing his church. The, re the purpose for church increasing numerically is not that there are more people to finance our projects. And if we're honest, friends, that the reason for increase is not so that we've got people to run all the ministries. Like you've got one guy who's just dreaming up in, uh, ministries and now we need people to run them. That's not the reason, friends. The purpose of increase is so that more and more will know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in that eternal covenantal relationship. The purpose of increase, friends, is so that people will know Him. I don't even like to use the word saved. But to know Him. To know Him. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1, I can never get past it. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him more. Friends, the purpose of this building being filled is so that more people know him. There is an amazing verse in Romans chapter 9. I don't think I've ever heard it preached on yet. Where Paul's talking about his broken heart for the Jewish people. Let me read it. Romans chapter 9, verse 2. He says, My heart is full of sorrow. 
My sadness never ends. I am so concerned about my people who are members of my own race. Listen to these words he says. I am ready to be cursed if it would help them. I am even willing to be separated from Christ. You ever read that? What's he saying? I would be willing to lose my salvation if they could find theirs. I can't say that, right? I honestly can't say that. I'm not put, I might put my earth on, I might sacrifice earth for somebody's heaven, but I'm not sacrificing heaven for somebody's heaven. Friends, can you get, as Paul says this, he's talking about this sorrow, this anguish in his heart for people who don't know him yet and say, I would be willing to lose my salvation if they could find theirs. Friends, that's the purpose of increase. Want people to know him. I'm not actually interested in a bigger church if it's just for the sake of a bigger church. Quite frankly, I don't want the discomfort that increase brings if it's just for a bigger church. But if it is for more and more people knowing him, being filled with the Spirit, having this eternal relationship with God, friends, that's our purpose. The purpose of increase is so that people will know him. And I pray that if there's anybody here this morning, and your knowledge, your experience, your sense, your sense, your encounter of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is either non-existent or stale, that this morning it changes. That this morning it changes. The second thing I'd like to talk about in terms of increase is the price. So the purpose of increase. The price of increase. Because friends, for, for church to grow, for church to increase, there is a price to be paid. I want to take you to a verse in Colossians chapter 1. Paul says this. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. Friends, you have to listen to this verse. It's, it's quite difficult to grasp. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my own flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Have you read that before? You ever stopped and looked at it? I fill up in my own body, in other words, in my own being, what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. Now, friends, what were Jesus' last words on the cross? Or the second last words? It is finished. How can Paul say after Jesus said it is finished that there is still something lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions? I hope that's making you think. How can it be when Jesus says it is finished that Paul says actually it isn't finished? That's what he's saying. And I can only understand it like this. Hans and I went to look at mattresses the other day. Thankfully, we got given one. It was very comfortable, by the way. Uh, but we went to look at, I don't know, there by Greenstone somewhere. And they give you the price. And it was... 
seven and a half thousand rand for the medium comfort. And so now we're thinking, oh, that's great. That's the purchase price. What do you think they added on to? Add on to that price. It's a little T and C that applies. It's called the delivery price. So now you can buy this mattress, pay your seven and a half thousand bucks, and it's yours. But you don't get to sleep on it. It's yours, friends. It's sitting there in mattress world. But there's another price, friends. You see, there's price for purchase, and there is price for delivery. And they're not the same thing. Salvation is free because the Lord Jesus paid the purchase price. And salvation is delivered free because the church pays the delivery price. Let me say that again. Salvation is free to every human being because the Lord Jesus paid the purchase price. And salvation is delivered to every human. Am I a bit loud? You sure? I only have one volume. I can't go lower. <laughs> you have to turn me down. And, and salvation is, I'll try, and salvation is delivered to the planet, friends, because the church pays the delivery price. We have to hold that, friends. You and I never purchase salvation. The Lord Jesus purchased salvation and said it is finished. But you and I deliver salvation to the planet. Why do we need to be a missional people? Why do, we, why do we need to be an apostolic people? Why do we need to be a going people? Because the church pays the delivery price. There is a price that the church pays to see the church increase. the price of comfort. Seriously, friends, it's the price of comfort. See, we all have our little rhythms, don't we? I have my rhythm, friends. I, people think I'm this happy-go-lucky kid. I got rhythm. I got rhythm. I mean, not just that rhythm. I got rhythm. I got rhythm in my day. I go to gym. At, I wake up at the same time. I drink two glasses of water at half past five. In fact, not half past five, 531. I set my alarm for 5.31, not 5.30. I drink two glasses of water straight away, and then when my wife wakes up at quarter past six, she brings me two cups of coffee. Not three, not one, two. I can't go to sleep unless my shoes are together. I can't go to sleep if my bedside table's a mess. I go to gym at half past one every day. Not three o'clock, half past one. I like my rhythm. And now suddenly God sends you, God gets you to do something else. And what happens to that rhythm? You pick it up and you take it where you're going. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is that messes with our rhythm. When the Lord moves you into another place, it costs you your comfort. It costs you your rhythm. You have to buy another motorbike. We all got our rhythms, friends. Do you know we all have our circle of relationships? I like these guys. They like me. And now suddenly, church begins to increase. And your circle of relationships needs to? It's expanding. It's growing. It's changing. People are different to you. 
feel quite overwhelmed with this message, friends. Because it's got to hit here. It's got to hit here. We're learning something from Joseph, that God is the God of increase. And he's, he's increasing our revelation of him. He's increasing his purposes within us, but he's increasing us as a body. And there is a price to that increase. Sometimes increase costs us financially. So the world's view church that we're at for the other part of the month is increasing in its kids' ministry. So we have embarked on a building project to build a kids' center. It's two and a half million rand. Who's going to supply that? God is. Come on. Whose pocket is he going to use? That's right. So everybody's so excited. Increase. Fusion center. Wow. Comes at a price tag, friends. Let me say this comment about price. Growth is not the enemy of community. Lazinesses. Let me say that again. I'm going to say it three times. Growth is not the enemy of community, lazinesses. One more time. Growth is not the enemy of community, lazinesses. I hear people, funny this, I hear people say, oh, we want the church to grow. Then as church, soon as church begins to grow, we hear the same guys complain. Church is growing. And now we're losing our sense of community. No, friends, we only lose our sense of community because we stop being intentional. I have been to little churches that are very unwelcome. I have been to small connect groups or life groups that are very unwelcome. Have you ever been to a, to a, a family reunion? Are they big or small? Bigger than your Sunday lunch? Are they fun? Most times they are. Do you feel like you belong? You do. Why? Your family. Your family. And it's big, but you still know you belong. Friends, I want to come back to that word that Mtogo shared. That word is from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. See, that's a verse about intentionality. Saul was the household that persecuted David. Saul was the man that tried to kill David. Saul was the man who, who threw a spear at him a couple of times to kill him. When Saul is dead, David's arch enemy, David asks this question, is there anyone of that house that tried to destroy me that I can show kindness to? That, friends, is intentionality. And as church increases, if we are not intentional about asking that question, we lose community. But it's not because of size. Because we stop asking the questions. And so friends, as church grows, let that question stay inside of us. Let that be a question. Honestly, friends, I challenge you to ask that 2 Samuel 9 verse 1 every day of your life. You know you brush your teeth every morning, I hope. And you never get tired of that. Your spouse is happy. Okay? 
We eat, most of us, every single day of our lives. And we never say, oh, cheapers, you know, that's, I can't brush my teeth every day. That's just too difficult. Our kids think that, but we train them quickly. But then there are some of these wonderful spiritual disciplines that the Bible gives us, and we say, no, it's too difficult. It's not too difficult. You and I can wake up every single morning in the presence of God and say, Lord, is there somebody you want me to show kindness to? We can do that, friends. And then just send them an SMS, or if it's really extravagant, go and visit them, take them coffee, drop off flowers, give them a gift, something. But honestly, friends, you and I can live with this question in our heart. Lord, today, is there somebody I can show kindness to? And friends, as church increases, if we will live with that question inside of us, growth will not come at the expense of community. In fact, it will add to it. Everybody say 2 Samuel, chapter 9, verse 1. Just one more time. 2 Samuel, chapter 9, verse 1. I hope I've remembered the correct verse, otherwise you've all memorized (laughs) the wrong one, but I think it's that. So ask, he's living with this question inside of us, friends. As church grows, just keep the question there. And growth will never be at the expense of love. The purpose of increase, the price of increase, the last thing I want to look at just for a few moments, is the process of increase. We go back to the life of Joseph. If you look at the timeline of Joseph, where most of us are familiar with the story, there's 12 brothers, or at that stage there's 11, I think, and I um, don't think Benjamin had been born yet, but Joseph is 17 years old, and um, not the wisest kid on the block, because number one is his dad's favorite. Now, if you're your dad's favorite, you need to work on your relationship with your brothers not trash it. But he didn't work on his relationship with his other brothers. In fact, he went back to his dad and said, you know those other ten brothers, that you know what they did? And he kind of like, what's the word? Tattletale. He goes back to dad and says, you know your other ten boys. They did this, they did this, they did this. So he didn't do himself any favors. All right? Then he has these dreams. Sometimes you rather keep your dreams to yourself. Some of you in particular, you keep your dreams to yourself. But he has these dreams where uh, there's two lots of dreams, one with cows and one with millies. And both of them, basically, when he shares these dreams with his brother and his dad, basically say, I'm top dog here. And you're all going to bow down to me and serve me, which didn't help at all. So when he's 17, friends, his brothers sell him into slavery, 17 years old. He's in prison. We know the story. He, first of all, serves in Potiphar's house, and then he gets Uh, stuck in prison. He's in prison for 13 years. He's now 30. He comes out of prison uh, at 30 years old, and he's made the prime minister of Egypt or something like that. In fact, the word that Pharaoh renames him in Latin translates savior of the world. Quite something, hey, if there's a picture of Jesus. He's 30 when he comes out of prison. He serves for the first seven years during the years of Plenty, so he's now 37, and somewhere in midway in the years of famine, he's now around about 40. He hasn't seen his family for how many years is that? 23 years. 23 years he hasn't seen his family, friends. 
the process of increase. So you look back on 23 years and you just, and when we read the story, we read it like that. But how many of you are not living 23 years? That's another story. And I look at Joseph's life. I want to say this first of all, that God doesn't have to use bad times and difficult times to grow us. But he so often does. Okay? You can say amen. So often the process, friends, is, is one of molding and shaping. Remember we used to sing that so song back in the day? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. We never sing that anymore because it went like this. Break me, melt me, mold me, and fill me. We just want to go, Spirit of the living God, fill me, fill me. Fill me, fill me. We don't want to break me, melt me, mold me, but just the fill me bit. Friends, the process of us being a people through whom God can bring increase is so often the molding. You know what the word Gethsemane means if you literally translate it? It means oil press. Oil press. For those of you with an engineering background, what does a press do? Squashes. Is squashing comfortable or uncomfortable? I mean, for those of you that are athletes and you stick your foot in the wrong size shoe, it's uncomfortable. Gives you blisters. Squashing gives you blisters. Gethsemane gave Jesus blisters. Increase gives us blisters. Gives us blisters, friends. end off with this scripture. Because God is serious about increase, friends. We looked at the purpose of increase is that people know him. The price of increase. The delivery price. The process of increases so often squashing. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, the last verses of chapter 9, he says this, Though I am free... And belong to no man, I make myself a slave to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law to win those under the law. To those not under the law, I become like one not under the law to win those not under the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that all by all means possible, I may win some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. You've all read that, hey? It's like whatever season Paul was in, and whatever context he was in, he was willing to reinvent himself in that context for the sake of the gospel. He was willing to reinvent himself in that context, for the sake of the gospel. Friends, as church begins to increase, the context is going to grow. The season is going to change. And many of us are going to have to let the Holy Spirit reinvent us so that we add to the season and don't subtract from it. Please hear that, friends. As God begins to increase, and He is doing that, He is doing that here. 
you and I are going to have to let God change us. And just when we got to living like a Jew, he's going to say, stop living like a Jew. And just when we've got to living like one who is under the law, he's going to say, stop living like one who is under the law. And just when we've got used to living like strong, he's going to say, now act like you're weak. Can you let that, let God bring revelation of that, friends? Because as soon as we lock ourselves into this, I'm not talking about biblical truth. I'm not talking about uh, truth as in G. I'm not talking about saving truth. I'm talking in the way we do things. To let him reinvent it. Friends, let's be honest. 30 years ago, where's Vas? Have you got shorts on today? Is Vas wearing shorts? He's wearing long pants today. 30 years ago, you wouldn't be on the stage with short pants. 30 years ago, you wouldn't get a worship leader with a cap on his head. Now you get a worship leader with his cap on his head. What's happening? Or with a ponytail in his head. I want to end with going back to, I did say I'm ending, but this is the ending of the ending. <laughs> um, I want to bring us back to the increase in our relationship with him. Can we stand, please? Because we're contemplating Joseph, this name increase that God is going to bless the world through a people who can cope with increase. And we're saying, Lord, what does it mean for me as an individual? What does it mean for us as church? What does it mean for the way we do things? But honestly, friends, the most important aspect of increase is that you and your relationship with God are increasing. The prayer from Ephesians 1. The spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know him better. I know him today. I want to know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit today more than I did yesterday. I want the, the language of the Holy Spirit to be something that I'm becoming more familiar with. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is like a wind. You ever watched a sailor how they read the wind? I'm saying, Lord, I want to read your wind better. The older I get, I want to read your wind better. I don't want to be a stale believer. I don't want to be a believer who's living on yesterday's manner. You know that manner in the Bible yesterday was God's miracle provision. But if I'm living on yesterday's manner today, it's got maggots and it's gone stale. It almost sounds blasphemous. So, Father, we want to live in an increased revelation of who you are. We want to live, Father, in that place where your government and your kingdom inside us is increasing every day. Friends, you know, we sing, we often sing that song, There Must Be More. We sing it of God, There Must Be More. I think God looks at you and I and sings, There Must Be More. There Must Be More. We're so often saying, Lord, more of you. I'm sure the Lord looks at you and answers, more of you, please. Can you just, in this moment right now, just express that prayer, Lord, more of you. More of your government. More of your authority. More of your presence, Lord.
more of your spirit, God. I'm so grateful for what I experienced of you yesterday. I'm so grateful for your mercy and your grace and your presence yesterday. But Lord, honestly, today, I just want more of you. I want to be more familiar with your voice, more familiar with your ways. I'm going to break bread in a moment. And there are communion packs on my left and on my right and the front. Can I ask you just to, in a moment, just make your way out. And you can come as individuals, you can come as families, you can come as friends. And I would ask you just to come in your groups and to take these elements and just share them together. And I'll ask that the elders and the leaders just come stand in the front with me. And if you are here this morning and you would like to be prayed for in any way, if your relationship with God is either absent or stale, and, you, and, and somehow through the message this morning is, Lord, that increase of you in my life. We'd love to pray with you for that. Love to pray with you. So while some come and they're just having communion and they're ministering to each other and with each other, we'll be, the leaders in the front, please come to us and let us pray with you. Lord, we remember that you took bread. And you broke it. You said, this is my body broken for you. And Lord Jesus, you were broken so that we could be whole. And we stand on that today. We stand on the fact, Lord Jesus, you were broken for our wholeness. And then you took wine. You said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And as we take bread today, Lord, we, we remember the cross. We remember your broken body and we remember your shed blood and by it we are whole and by it we are forgiven. So friends, can I invite you now just to come out in front, please just help yourself and just experience God in this moment. If I can ask the leaders just to come stand with me in the front and please friends, if you are here this morning, you'd like to be prayed for in any way, it's always our privilege to pray with you.